Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who no one can say that he's only shallow. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hey, hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. He's the lead singer of the band Catholic Action. Their most recent record is called Celebrated by Strangers. came out in March 2020 and includes songs like I'm No Artist and People Don't Protest Enough. So please welcome to the podcast, Chris McCrory of Catholic Hello. Action. Hi. How you doing? How, how are you? We're doing yeah. good. How, how yeah. you holding up? I'm, I'm remarkably doing pretty well considering the circumstances but yeah i'm uh honestly quite enjoying it <laughs> i feel i feel i feel that's the wrong thing to say but i'm enjoying it for what it is i suppose yeah there there you go all right well the premise of our podcast is fairly simple we talk about music but as we do at the beginning of each podcast episode i ask the all-important question what t-shirt are you wearing wayne i am wearing uh my Edinburgh Harley Davidson shirt. Nice. Yeah. How about you, Chris? What t-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a Velvet Underground t-shirt that I've owned for 13 years. For it to be. I've, I think I got it when I was like 16. It's, it's, can uh, you see through it yet? Well. You can see through parts of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really black anymore. It's sort of going through the sort of spectrum towards white. Yeah, it's uh, maybe some charcoalish right now. So, so maybe for Christmas we need to like uh, get you a new Velvet Underground shirt. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got my money's worth though, so I'm pretty happy with it. That, yeah, thirteen years, absolutely. That's a good run. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm wearing um, a shirt that I've worn a bunch of times on the on this. Uh, I didn't take too much thought to this, but I'm wearing one of my Smith shirts. So nice. there you go. All right. So, so Chris, did I read correctly that you guys were supposed to be playing at South by Southwest this year? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, um, that sucks. Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's I don't know. I don't. I don't. I've not really thought about it all that much. We we actually were over. We were in New York at the time um, playing, and we had to go back home early. To be honest. Um, I just felt we had to sort of get out of the country, get home. It was kind of one of those things, like, because we were on tour before and we found out that South, we were on tour in the UK before and we found out that South by had been cancelled, but we still had this festival in New York that we were going to play. And um, obviously, you know, there's tons of other, we had, we had a lot of other shows booked in Texas at that time. And I was going to stay on and do some solo shows in Dallas and just kind of hang about and be a tourist. But, uh, yeah, we found out that South by was cancelled, and so we went over anyway. But then the situation just got a lot worse pretty quickly. So I was just, I felt, I felt bad at first. For I kind of, kind of got to a point where I came off stage after the first show in New York, and I, I just said to the guys, like, "This is not good. <laughs> this is," and I just don't feel, I just, I just didn't feel safe, and um, and it, and it was it. We landed just as Trump announced the kind of travel ban from Europe. The UK uh, wasn't affected at that point. So I, that was like the first thing I read when I came off the plane. I was like, fuck. Oh, PG-13, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. That's all good, man. Yeah. Does it get bleeped out? 
Uh, Jerry Springer. For you, no, no, we're we're good. We're good. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, So, so did you only did you only get in one show? We got two shows in. We played that one show. Honestly, I've never seen. We've been fortunate enough to go to New York a few times now, and I've I've never seen the city that quiet before. Like really, never seen that quiet. Uh, but we were lucky that so we played that one gig and and then that night I, I was like look we need to we need to go because I don't really want to get stuck you know that was the that was the worry we were going to get stuck and then by that point all the US bands were kind of canceling their own tours and stuff so I was like there's no point in us being here we may as well you know go home to our families and stuff while we can so um but we got a message from the Dead Kennedys tour manager who we're good friends with we we played with them in Europe and the UK uh, last year and you know we're, we're good pals with them and their support band DOA had to they pulled out and went back to California I think and so they didn't have a support band for Philly and, and we were just like they're, they're two managers from Glasgow by the way just uh, just uh, that's how we know them but uh, he was just like yeah come through to Philly and play this show and you know it was a sold out show and we're like you know what why not we did it and that because of that show, it meant we could get home and not be out of pocket, which was which was really good. Because I mean, uh, when you think about it, the amount of bands that probably lost an insane amount of money, a lot of money, or the amount yeah. of labels that must have lost an insane amount of money, you know, or our venues, and uh, you know, just in you know, I mean, I'm sure lots of people in all sorts of professions have just lost an insane amount of money, but you know, for people that are or for independent music that people are basically skint <clears throat> anyway most of the time you know to take to take a big hit is potentially life or death for a lot of you know venues and labels and certainly bands so we get we, yeah. we we got off very lucky so i'm kind of i'm not too you know affected by it. you know we weren't too downtrodden we were just kind of you know at a time like this it's just kind of this is totally unprecedented let's just get home and kind of you know we went over there and we played a couple of really good shows and you know, we got home okay, and we 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 managed to do it and not be out of pocket. So that was yeah. uh, very lucky. Are are you seeing people who are, you know, purchasing more of your merchandise or your records to kind of support you guys during during this time, or is it just kind of been business as usual? <laughs> um, I'm not really sure. I've not really kept. I mean, do, the yeah. the discussion was had you know i mean do we put the album out now do we not put it out? and to be honest I, I think for a band like us i don't think it would make a crazy amount of difference so we just put it out now and my thinking was that maybe the fact that it you know people are actually at home with nothing to do and it's you know they're going to actually listen to it you know um right. i would like you know do you know what i mean like it, it's it's kind of a good time for someone to to bring out something you know lengthy that you can get stuck into yeah 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 i was just i was just seeing how you were faring because i i read your article that was on the uh, grammys website about uh you know they've been asking how everybody has been coping with everything and i thought your your answer of um you said something good must surely come out of the entire world hitting the pause button and reflecting their on their actions and it's yeah. like here here well yeah i couldn't couldn't disagree with that at all yeah so. i mean i really hope so i hope so uh, 
it would just I, I hope so too. Yeah. It would be a wasted opportunity, I think, if we just immediately went back kind of blindly to exactly what we were doing. I mean, I think it's because we were doing what we were that the the whole thing has kind of happened in the first place. You know, I mean I don't think you can abuse the natural world that much and expect nothing to nothing to come of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your record celebrated by strangers. Mm. Sorry about the timing of its release. No, it's okay. It's it's I, honestly it's kind of it feels sort of to me it feels like kind of a good time to put it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get I mean, you know, not only just I don't know, just just the whole vibe of the record it's kind of it feels slightly odd to me. So, you know, and it's 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 supposed to kind of well, I guess now looking back on it, it's the kind of record that can maybe G you up a little bit. Um, and I think that's maybe what people need. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. People, yeah. So let's go, th- go through a couple songs. Ro- and now I f- forgot what song it was. You have a song that starts out talking about shoegazing. Which what song is that? <laughs> people don't protest enough. That's yeah. it. All right. Spend All right. my time shoegazing in a cul-de-sac of sorts. Because we're going to talk a lot about shoegazing for this episode. But yeah. um, do, do you guys know the origin of that? That that uh, phrase, shoegazing? Was it not I just a not. journalist? I think it was a journalist. I, I don't know the, the exact journalist, but I'm sure a, a journalist just coined it. Unless, unless there's another story that I've not heard of. Yeah, that's 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 it. And and I I don't know who is credited with with saying it, but it's it's bands who stand around during live performances with their heads down, staring at their shoes <laughs> because they're using lots of effect pedals instead of actually connecting with their audience. Hmm. And that's perfect. Yeah. You guys shoot you guys consider yourself shoegazers or are you uh you trying to give a little eye contact while you're performing? I think I think it depends what mood you catch me in and what song. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so 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 what song are you staring at pedals as opposed to staring at the audience? Oh, you know what? It's not really by the song, it's by the show. So to for example, oh, okay. the, the that first New York show, that was a shoegazing show for me. That was a try not to have a freak out show so i came off stage and i was like guys we need to fuck we need to go home basically this is really i'm not right. not comfortable being here this is you know we were playing a festival in new york and and I, you know i'd played cmj and stuff years ago with with different bands and stuff and it was you know it was a great big party it was really busy and instead we were playing this venue and there was like no one there and everyone's a bit weirded out and it just seemed like everyone was kind of panic buying and and bunkering down and and it was just like this. Just feels, it feels. While well, I was talking to uh, my friend Salim from our label, and we were saying that, oh, he said it, it's like he put it. You know, he put it quite well when he said, "This is like the start of a really bad sci-fi movie." You know, <laughs> so we came off that. Uh, yeah, we came off the stage. That first gig was was not good. It was a shoegazing gig, and then the next night was the Dead Kennedys and Philly, and that was very exciting. And you know, big venue, and it sold out, and. You, you did the support band, so there's less pressure. So there was lots of piss taking of the audience, and you know there was lots of eye contact. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was great. I, I had someone throw me some hand sanitizer, and we had a little competition. And so that was it was weird. It was like it's, I can be a bit. I can maybe let. I mean, 
I can maybe let it affect me too much live. Uh, what you know, my mood that day. So, but yeah. most of the time, I'm I'm okay. But that that time was just just weird. It was just the situation. So we're mostly not shoegazers. Yeah. So are you saying that uh, you never know what kind of show you're going to get when you go to a Catholic action show? I'd say maybe two thirds of the time, I know what show you'll get. Right. But depending on how I've slept, <laughs> or you know the weather, or you know some other things, it really depends. Okay. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, there's some really great guitar in this record, and I'm not a production guy, so I need you to 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 tell me for the song "One of Us." How do you get that? I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a fuzzy guitar tone. And I'm not even sure if fuzzy is the right word. What, no, how are, how are you getting that effect? Well, first of all, uh, let's, uh, we recorded that song. So that the, the version that's on the album is actually the demo version. Oh, really? That, yeah. Okay. So that was recorded. That song was recorded essentially live in my old bedroom at my parents' house. Like the band were crammed into this room. I'd set some mics up on the drums and I had my guitar amp out in the corridor. And then I was kind of through the wall in the next room, you know, the control room. Um, I, I, I was very lucky that, you know, I'll, I'll go into that later, but the, so the guitar tone on that song, we done the live take and an overdub some guitar. So if it's the lead tone you're talking about, I think, yeah, I think that was like four, I think, if I remember correctly, I played the solo like four times on top of each other, and I think two of them are kind of harmony ones. Okay. And I think I used like a because I was really into like Brian Eno and John Cale and all that at the time, and so four four layers of guitars, and I think I used a synth filter on the guitars, so they were like really pushed through the synth filter, and the synth filter like chopped off all the high end and kind of squished it. So it was this kind of really ratty, fuzzy thing. I was trying to rip off. There's there's a John Cale song, ah, in particular. If I remember it, I'll tell you. And there's a there's an exact bit in that that I was trying to. That was where the initial idea for it came from. I'll try and remember. Yeah. So how do you translate that considering Brian Eno songs don't always translate to the stage? So how, mm. how are you getting that that tone for, for your live performances? 
I'm not. <laughs> I'm getting somewhere, <laughs> close, getting somewhere close enough to it, you know. Uh, you know, it's quite it's quite interesting the whole live versus studio thing. I, I'd never I've never yeah. bothered about because I think they're kind of two separate things to an extent. Okay. And I think I'd quite I, I think the first two albums have been certainly the set the second album celebrated by Strangers. That's total. It's like a total hybrid record, and I think it's quite you can quite easily you know separate the songs between you know these are the sort of studio tracks and these are the more traditional band tracks and one of us was you know more traditional band tracks just with some overdubs but th- i think I, I just use a i, I actually do you know what i use i use a ds1 pedal and i roll all the yeah. tone off and i squish it okay into the amp basically and it kind of squares off the guitar sound and sustains so i can kind of do the do the solo without making too much effort yeah but wayne, it's more I was just going to say, Wayne, didn't didn't you just wear a DS1 t-shirt the other day? I certainly did. Yeah. So you're a fan of the DS1 then? Oh yeah, everybody should have one. Yeah, people <laughs> people get um you know, I, I work with a lot of bands and and people get, you know, get guitar players get pretty uh get pretty snobby about the DS1, but I think it's I think if you know how to use it, it's it's a pretty good pedal. Yeah. So your song Another name for loneliness. So many mm. great things about that song. Um, do you come out and say what the other name truly is in the song? Yeah. Should should you just call change it to um, coronavirus? <laughs> is another name for loneliness? <laughs> I suppose it is. I just um, I just spent my my birthday on my own. It's the first birthday I've ever spent on my own ever. It was okay. It was actually all right. I had I had a nice day. Um, uh, I just went out into the wilderness and and walked about. That's the good thing about Scotland is you can kind of dive out Get into lost. the wilderness quite easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like a ten minute drive from where I live, essentially. Uh, I don't. I kind of. Yeah. I mean, well, it's more. Learning for loneliness is the idea that you're kind of throwing yourself into something, not because you're in love, but because you're lonely. You know, mm. or are you? Are you really? Is that right. is that what you're doing? You know, because it feels like it, it's you're falling in love, but are you sure? But that's just that's just the way uh, the way my brain works. You know, it's, I'm really very very good at second guessing myself. Very good at it. Oh, you're not the only one on this podcast that's really good <laughs> yeah. at that. I'm not. I'm yeah. not bad. Yeah. yeah, we're 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 not bad at that either.
think the the best part about your record to me is I love records where there is a diversity of songs. Mm. I you guys can rock it up and then you can also make, you know, danceable type music and then you've got a mm. song like There Will Always Be a Light which is just it's a beautiful song. There's a lot a lot of stuff going on in that song. Mm. Um and I I didn't really get your record choice today uh the yeah. mu- mu- until until i heard that song and i'm like oh now i get it now i get why yeah. you chose my bloody valentine yeah it's in there i mean it's you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think that if you listen to us but it's just a record that i've to be honest that i, I kind of grew up with and that i've sort of remained that's kind of how i know i'm really into an album is that it kind of it sticks with me it's like an album that i've you know I heard it at a really pivotal time and it's just kind of stuck with me since then and I always go back to it and I enjoy it just as much, if not yeah. more, you know, over time. So, whereas other albums I can kind of be, you know, I can have a sort of fling with and then years right. later I'm not not so enamored with it, but that's one that stuck with me. When did you, well, we'll get into it in just a minute, but when did, when did you discover um, Loveless by My Bloody Valentine? I think I was... I think I was probably about 16 or 17 when I first heard okay. it. My friend's mum worked at a record... No, my friend's aunt worked at a record store and she used to just kind of feed us sort of all these really good 80s, 90s alternative bands. You know, so we just had this constant, you know, just this like constant listen to this list and it was... She had very, very, very good taste. So that one stuck and... Yeah, Wayne. How come it is that our guests always have the cool ants and <laughs> yeah, like I, I I don't have any cool ants when it comes to music. Mm. Yeah, uh, I guess I I did earlier, but it's been so long. Anything else on the on your record that we should talk about before we transition over to uh, my bloody Valentine? Hmm. I mean, just that you should probably buy it if you want us yeah. to make more. <laughs> yeah. You know. Perfect. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so before we transition over to your record choice, so we've been asking all of our guests this question. So, Toto's Africa. Is it a good or bad song? I would never 
your hesitation is telling us your answer, but go ahead. I would never I would never put it on by choice. But right. it's probably a good song. If that, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like it's probably it probably a good song. Lingers, doesn't it? There was actually I have a, there's a this my friend um in London. This is the most stupidly like, London hipster thing you could do. <laughs> it was like an after show to a gig, right? But the after show was you know so the gig finished at like eleven, and so from eleven till like three or four in the morning, the DJ just played Africa by Total on repeat for oh, like. No. Yeah, I think. I can't remember who it was one of my, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Seth, and this is the guy that played keyboards for us for a while, and he plays keyboards for Black Midi and stuff now, which is pretty cool. Um, I think it was Seth. I don't know, but it one, one, so, you know, someone uh, went, you know, and they were, like, and I was like, how how was it? And they were like, yeah, it was it was funny for like the first play and a half of the song, and then they left. As you can imagine, I can't I can't I don't know if anyone stuck it out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah that 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 sounds like the the john mulaney um uh bit where he talks about the best meal he ever had do you know do you guys know the skit the this no bit? i don't know that bit no I don't. so so he comes into a diner with a mm-hmm. bunch of quarters that because they have a jukebox mm-hmm. and he and he puts in he puts in like you know five dollars worth of quarters and just pushes what's new pussycat by Tom Jones multiple times. And he just wanted to see everybody's reactions. So, you know, he talks about, you know, after like the, the fifth or sixth time, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to kill somebody. (laughs) And then he said, but on the seventh time, instead of what's new pussycat, I put, it's not unusual. And everybody was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and then after that song was done, then What's New Pussycat played for another 10 times. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's a it's a great bit. Yeah. So it sounds like um, somebody probably heard that bit and was like, you know what would be another great song to just completely troll people with? Totos Africa. Do you know... Um, do you know... Lieutenant Pigeon, moldy old doe. It was like kind of a novelty hit in the UK in the seventies, and it's like Jarvis Cocker said it was like one of his desert island discs. It's like it's a really no. good song. It's it's like this. It's an instrumental, but it, you know I don't know if in the UK we seem to love like novelty hits. So it was this huge thing on like Top of the Pops and all that in the seventies. What's it called? Our moldy old doe by Lieutenant Pigeon. It's really okay. good. It just sounds like this drunk bar band. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it really does. But our drummer done the same thing at our local pub. Uh, and he played that like 10 times. And the guy behind the bar just got up and just turned the jukebox off after like, right. so many times. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, I don't think our drummer's seen that bit, though. Yeah. So um, so you gave, me a, you gave me a list and you said... Um, Basically, if we didn't want to talk about my bloody Valentine, here's some other stuff. Mm. So, uh, Chris Cohen, Overgrown yep. Path. I don't yep. know that one. It's. I think it's an. I think it's an underrated masterpiece. 
This guy's like Chris Cohen used to be he used to be the guitar player for Deerhoof. Uh Okay. Yeah, but it sounds it's nothing it's really, really nothing like that. It's like um Okay. It's sort of I don't know, it's like a it's almost like a sort of lo fi home studio Beach Boys kind of Andy Shove type stuff. It's just gotcha. it's just like wonderfully arranged, really, really well written songs. It's it's ridiculously melodic as well. It's um kind of strange appended melodies. So Wayne, should, we've got some homework to do. Yeah, you should check it out. He's kind of he's brought three right. records out. This was the first solo record he did in twenty twelve. And he brought I think his last one was out last year. Yeah. They're all really good, but I think uh Overgrown Path is the the strongest, I think, of the three. That would require me to stop watching the newsroom with all my extra spare time. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. I've been binge oh, really? watching. Yeah, you do, you doing any binge watching? No do you know what? I've not really what I've I think I've I watched that Tiger King oh, <laughs> the yes. other week. Um, it's insane. It's totally insane. I think that's the only yeah. thing that's the only thing I've really been watching. I've not really watched too much TV, which is good. Gotcha. Which is good. Yeah. All right. Uh others that you picked were Beatles Rubber Soul, which can't go wrong there. Yeah. Um Paul Simon's still crazy after all these years. We've now had Wayne. I think we've now had what four or five guests where Paul Simon was kind of their backup choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, somebody recently we just chose between something and a Paul Simon Scott, record. Yeah, Scott Mulvihill. Ah, that's yeah. yeah. We'll 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 eventually get to that. Uh, let's see. Dark Side of the Moon. Now you you put in parentheses LOL for that. Yeah, what's the LOL? Well, it's like I guess it's it's sort of the obvious choice, isn't it? For like an al- it's an album that everyone knows really well, and I don't know, I don't know what I could add to the conversation about that one, but it's yeah. it's still a perfect album as far as I'm concerned. I think after that, yeah. after no fact, no, me and our guitar player talk about this a lot. After the first half of Wish You Were Here, that's where Pink Floyd goes wrong. So side A. Wish you were here, brilliant. Side B onwards, nah. Can't I can't do it. I can't do can't we do can't the do the wall. Nah. It's I can do how like the, How about the mm? final cut? Do you do the final cut? I can't I just can't do after. Is that after? That's after, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I can't, after I the can't, wall. Yeah, I can't I can't really do it. I love I I don't know. I used to love the Sid Barrett stuff, but it's not really stuck with me. But yeah. the stuff I love the kind of build up. To Dark Side, I mean, like, I really, really love going in and, like, listening to the band progress. And I think that's something that's kind of missing nowadays. Just, you know, the state, of, the way the industry is, it's like, for a lot of young bands, certainly in the UK, I think maybe, I don't know if it's less so in America, but I think American labels are still slightly, you seem slightly less conservative than, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but you seem slightly less conservative than, than UK labels, and you probably totally disagree, but to, to, to us and to me and to, for someone that likes kind of guitar music, there's there's a lot more of it in this, and it's a lot better over there. So, but I, I, it's the the whole like artist development thing is is missing now. You know, bands get that kind of one shot, one or two. Like I didn't think 
we'd have a label for the second album. I didn't think that. I thought we'd have to just self-release it. Um, to be honest with you, uh, just the way things are. Uh, yeah. You know, so it's it's it's. I re- I'm really interested in bands that develop. I, I, I'm not interested in the kind of buzzy flash in the pan thing. I, I like. You guys develop. Yeah. I listen. I listen to both of your records, and you, you, there's definitely a development on the on this current record. So. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm really glad yeah. of that. I will <laughs> echo the sentiment of "Go buy the record." So, yeah. Um, all right. There were three other. There were three others on this list. So, Meat Puppets, the second record. Yeah. And Sonic Youth. Ev- Do you call it Evol? I call it Evol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Wayne, you just listened to that record. I, I just listened to that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm not usually, I liked, you know, Cool Thing and some of the stuff off Goo, but I really liked Evol. I thought, uh, yeah, it was really great. I think it's where they start to kind of find their own on Evol. And then you've got um, one of my favorite records on the list, Big Star, number one record. Mm. You Did you have a guest talk about that recently? I think we, I was looking through your... We did. Uh, Ken yeah. Stringfellow from the Posies. So oh, Ken, nice. Ken and his bandmate John were actually part of the the reformed Big Star until Alex passed away. Yeah, I have. So I the, used to. The, oh, sorry. What were you saying? I was just going to say the stories that Ken has about Alex are just crazy and awesome. So I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. Definitely check that that episode out. It's really good. I used to um, I had Alex Chelton's fuzz pedal for about a year. Really, when I was eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How'd that? His pal. He was really good friends with this guy in Glasgow that used to be in this band called V Twin, and he. I became pally with him, and he kind of let me borrow his pedals and stuff. I was just kind of writing stuff at the time, so I was like, "Wow." This is Alex Chilton's fuzz pedal. That's really cool. <laughs> and it was just as I was getting into Big Star at the time. So I was like, I wonder if... Because it, it was an old 70s one. Like the kind of... It wasn't like yeah. a stomp box pedal. It was like, you know, like a wah pedal or a volume pedal. It was like that, but it was fuzz pedal. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So I did an internet search because I already brought up the whole shoegazing thing. Mm. So I wanted to see what Google was going to tell me were some other shoegaze bands so can we agree on these so ride mm-hmm. uh, yep. jesus and mary chain yeah cocteau twins yeah 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 jesus Gal- and mary chain Gal- and cocteau twins are like earlier before the yes. term was coined but they're definitely progenitors to it galaxy 500 yeah slow dive definitely I love Sugar for the Pill. Mm. It's one of the most gorgeous songs ever. Um, And then here's where I was like, really? Um, So I want you guys to weigh in on these. The Verve? They were kind of. Would you consider them shoegaze? I wouldn't consider them shoegaze, but I'd definitely say they were shoegaze influenced or maybe more like. Yeah, yeah. And then they even mentioned Sonic Youth. Would you consider them shoegaze? Was Evol, was that shoegaze? Nah, I wouldn't say shoegaze, but there's definitely there's definitely an overlap. And I know Kevin Shields was pretty heavily influenced by like sort of Dinosaur Jr. and Sonic Youth. 
Yeah. Yeah. Would you consider Dinosaur Jr. shoegaze? Nah. Hot no. I'd say one one band that that that, that kind of get overlooked is, uh, I mean, not strictly shoegaze, but definitely an enormous influence on it are the Spacemen Three. Hmm. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. People okay. seem to kind of gloss over that. All right. Um, so you already t- told us how a cool ant got you hooked up with Loveless. That's mm. awesome. Um, so let's get some bio info on this record. This is the second studio album by My Bloody Valentine, uh, released in November of 1991. And um, album was recorded over the space of about, what, 18 months? Um personnel so kevin shields uh he is the uh the the male vocals that you're going to hear on a number of the songs uh you've got uh i don't even know how to pronounce colm's name do you guys know how to pronounce the drummer's name i would guess that it's colm mccoyzig but i could be wrong we're gonna go with that um (laughs) uh debbie goosh who was the bassist and then Belinda Butcher. So she provides guitars and she's the female vocals that you're going to hear on a number of, of songs. Um, this actually in the UK, uh, peaked at number 24 on the UK albums chart. And I, I will say that, uh, we heard at least one song and I'll bring that up when we get to the song. I know that there was at least one single and I remember seeing the video on 120 minutes, but didn't really get a whole lot of airplay over here in the States. And I'm assuming that you're way too young to remember whether or not it got any airplay in the UK. Yeah, but I do remember, I do remember seeing it on 120 minutes when I was like, yeah, when I was first getting into them. And that was partly what cemented it for me. I think I think I went out and bought the records after that because I'd heard a few songs and I'd yeah. seen it. Yeah. I, do you still get 120 minutes over there? Because they, they axed that here a long time ago. I I don't even remember the last time I watched MTV. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just a bunch of crap, reality yep. crap now, and and I th- I think every time that I've I've uh, when I fly JetBlue and they had the live, uh, the live satellite. Every time that I've landed on MTV while I'm going through the channels, it feels like what is that show? Catfish, catfishing. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it, but it seems like it's always playing catfish. Mm. So maybe they should just change the name of the channel to Catfish TV instead. <laughs> Because there's, there's definitely, yeah, there's no, there's no M to music television. That's a whole, that's a whole episode. Like we could talk a week about where MTV went wrong, but <laughs> it's kind of scary. Yes. <laughs> uh, what else? What else we want to say before we go jump, jumping in track by track? Anything, Wayne? No, I'm ready to start. Were you um, were you guys fans of the album previously, or was this this a new one for you, or is this something you just be you know kind of aware of but not do into, or just interested? 
Yeah, this was a name I heard come up. Um, they did get some. This album was played a couple of the tracks on uh, the alternative radio station out here. Maybe more like they had like certain some of the late night DJs would would play new stuff that wasn't being mm. played necessarily anywhere else. And so I had heard the name and I had and I had a brief, you know, a little bit of a. I mostly what I'd heard about it. This was the first time I actually sat down and listened to it all the way through. Okay. Okay. Me as well. First time that I, I listened to the whole record. I had a sampler um, of some sort that had, I think only shallow was on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was familiar enough. And again, I, I saw, I think it was that, that song that I saw on um, 120 minutes. I wasn't as big a fan of them because, um, well, as we talk through it, I, the, the one thing that for me is, I won't say off putting, but the one thing is the vocals are always really far back in the mix. Yeah. And I like, I like, I like vocals. Like I, I, I like all the other stuff that they're doing, but one of the things that attracted me to the Jesus and Mary chain, cause I have, I have a couple of their, you know, tapes and I've got yeah. a CD in my, in my collection for them is I always love their vocals, even though mm. it was dark and brooding and some of it was a little monotone at times. Yeah. Um, you could, you could hear the vocals. You had to decipher some of the, some of the lyrics, um, which was, I think, again, something that is a common element to most of these shoegaze bands is mm-hmm. uh, once you pull up a lyric sheet and go, oh, that's what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that that's kind of the, the the common theme of a lot of these these shoegaze bands. Um, anyways, you guys, ready to jump into it? Yep. Yeah. All right. So. As a reminder, our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Uh, I want to say 11. 11, which means top song is going to get 11 points. Next favorite 10 on down to lowest score of one. Let's kick it off. This is only shallow. was the second single from the record and yes there's a video for it you can go check that out so so wayne it i don't remember hearing this on the end not to say that it wasn't but uh in the u.s charts it did peak as high as number 27 on the modern rock chart 
Yeah, and like I say, it wasn't it wasn't a regular rotation song, but I do feel like uh, you know whether it was Marco Collins or somebody one of those late night DJs would play new stuff, and they they would also dedicate hours to like stuff like this, you know whether and I don't even remember if we called it shoegaze necessarily in right. America back then, but um, and I, and I wouldn't say I specifically heard it, but I. You had said something about the vocals, and at first, I think that that was a. I guess it was, not maybe not off-putting, but it began to grow on me. Like I, I kind of because it's interesting. That isn't how things are normally done. Uh, usually, the vocals are tracked up in front, and everybody can hear them. And this, with it being in the back, I don't know, not so much buried, but almost just like even with everything else, it gives it a completely different feel. But this track really comes out heavy and that that industrial guitar noise at first kind of grates you. But then I I found myself really liking this song after the more I heard it. What do you got on this, Chris? It's just just it's funny, the vocal thing. It's just interesting. You know, you read you read into the production of it and uh, there's like. Apparently, there's like sixteen or seventeen layers of vocals. It's insane. Wow, I didn't realize it's that. Better. Yeah. So the the common thing with Mabry Valentine is everyone goes, oh, and this is what all the other shoegaze bands got wrong when they tried to copy them. They go, oh, <laughs> it must be reverb, but no, it's actually like there's so many layers that, in every layer, you know, you're never going to sing it exactly the same every time. So you're going to get this kind of natural kind of chorusy phase and effect and i read that i think they deliberately set out to put the vocals underneath the guitars in the mix in all yeah. of the every single track so again it's like they're one of those bands it's like you can't like i don't really it's it's quite because it was quite strange for me to listen to this album and go oh i'm gonna need to first of all rank it and then and, and really think about it and analyze it uh you know, because it's just, it's it's quite, there's not really that much to compare it to sonically, you know, because I don't even think that it sits, like, if I think if you listen to this and you listen to one of the other sort of classic shoegaze records like Ride or, or Slow Dive or whatever, they don't sound the same, like, the, there's a very different feel to it. Yeah. You know? Uh, so it's kind of hard to compare, but yeah, the, I think only "Shallow" is definitely one of the most immediate songs in the record, and I think that's why it was a single, or one of the singles. It's uh, it comes. It's quite funny. It's like the only one where the drums. No, in fact, no, no. It's only one of two tracks where the drums are like a feature for <laughs> for like the very first bar of the song, and then that's it. Yeah, uh, which is interesting because also the apparently we were talking about personnel. Apparently. Kevin Shields played almost everything on the record because the drummer. Yeah, I think there's like I think he plays drums on that song and then some other. Tr- there's like maybe a, a couple of other tracks, but the the drums were programmed because he had like this. He had like I don't know if he had like a breakdown or some kind of serious medical problem or both. I think is is the is the official line on it. You know, um, he and he couldn't use his legs properly apparently so a lot of the drums are actually programmed but that that's one of the you know tracks that it actually features i'm sorry i'm a, I'm a really nerd out on this record because you no, know the whole production that. side of it is is uh 
is very interesting to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one of the most immediate tracks, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about sequencing a lot on this podcast and how important it is. And I think that this is a perfect first song, in my opinion, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the record. Because mm. um, you're going to get some loud guitars at times, but then you're going to get some, you know, lushness from like Belinda's vocals and some of those extra layers of sounds that you're talking about. And mm. I just, yeah, I think that this is a this is a great way to. Um, to, to, to start out the record. Um, you, you also kind of brought up the, the, the point of how long it, it took to make this record. So considering that there's, you know, you're just saying that there's 17 layers of vocals, how many layers of guitars and other stuff is on top of that? Um, apparently the, the, there isn't a crazy amount of guitars on it because I think they would have recorded it. They'd have had two two twenty four track tape machines like kind of synced up. So there's probably you know there's not a crazy amount of guitars. I think okay. there's like maybe a cut like maybe three three layers of guitars. But I think each guitar was probably mic'd up. You know, with like two or three mics. So when you blend them together, you get kind of phase difference between the. guitars and i'm sure i read somewhere that that was kind of a big part of the sound of it kind of playing with the phase of the different um mic positions yeah sorry this is really really nerdy i i I don't know i I I should say like basically production is production is my sort of day job like that's that's kind of how i pay the pay the rent so to speak i kind of i record other bands in studios in glasgow and uh london and liverpool so I'm kind of, I kind of enjoy the production side of it, of music That's just great. as much as the, the kind of songwriting and uh, playing live sort of thing. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, we got the right guest then for this. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get some scores. So, Chris, what was your score in this? My score was five. Okay. And Wayne, seven. All right. And this is my ten. I really dig this song. Uh, All right, next song, Loomer. Uh, based off of the scores, you like this a little more than we do. So, yeah, tell, tell us, tell us why you love uh, Loomer. I just think it's more it's it's further it's further removed from the regular rock band sound, which is why I, there's like there's a few tracks on this that really is like there's like a kind of spectrum of my like they kind of do you know what I mean? Where they, there's the spectrum of one end, one end of it is where they like link up with more traditional rock band stuff, and at the other end of it is where, to my ears, they go completely off into their own 
world and it's totally immersive and it's totally different and Loomer is one of the best examples on the record of that you know it's just I mean there's not really any there's not really like real drums on it it's just there's no. this little soft thing in the background and actually interestingly I think the the vocals are quite for for this album the vocals are quite up front on this track yes I was just going to mention yeah. that because I, I felt like um, Belinda's vocals are almost lend more of a cocktail twins yep. vibe yep. for for this song yet you also still have i mean how, how many layers of guitars do you think that that that's going on in the production again i think it's it's not as crazy as you think i think you can get away okay. with like there's got to be at least three right oh yeah yeah there'll be three and and i think what they did a lot of the time was the I think I remember reading about it and I think they got really into like sampling. Okay. Uh, so they would like, but they, I think the whole thing was they wanted to keep it really organic sounding even while they were sampling. So they would um, like layer up the guitars and the vocals into the sam- like into the sampler and kind of play it on the keyboard. I'm not sure if that's what like the feedback and stuff at the start is, but I think it might be that. So it's kind of like, it's super layered before it's recorded in, but it's it's one of the common misconceptions of this this record, and I think that's kind of where the magic lies in it. From a p- production standpoint, is that it's actually simpler than you think, because and it's only it's only recently that I've realised that. You know, it's like the less you have in a track, it's almost like the bigger it sounds in a way. You know, I think yeah. well, I mean, I think someone like Big Star are really good at that, or like the the track that comes to mind is you know that chris bell track i am the cosmos i'm the cosmos yeah it's so good it's so good and it's huge but there's like nothing happening there's not much happening and i think with my buddy valentine there's there's not actually like loads going on it's just every element that is going on is really really dense and i think that comes from a lot of the sort of open tuning and guitars and like even though the vocals there's like so many layers they're all singing the same melody. So it's like one melodic line, but because the texture of it is so thick, it seems like there's so much there's so much more going on. And it's, it's really only recently that I've realized that. And I think, I don't know, I think that's part of the sort of production genius of it. And I think that's where a lot of bands and stuff go wrong nowadays because you, mu- you, know, you think, oh, they must have had like limitless track count on this. And it's really, well, they probably had... 48 channels to play with <laughs> at the most you know whereas now on Pro Tools you can kind of you know I think most of the tracks on our second album probably had more than nah maybe not I think maybe maybe a couple of them got to more than 48 really? but yeah sorry I'm, yeah I'm, I, well, well there will always be a light for example and that, that was kind of where I was figuring that out I recorded yeah. that song in this very room I'm sitting in right now. I can feel it in the walls, man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was me kind of trying to. I was doing the like vocal learn thing. So I think by the time I'd finished it, it probably got to over that track count. But yeah, I mean, people, that's where people go wrong with it, I think, is that it's actually doing less but being creative with it than right. throwing everything at it, you know? Wayne, you got anything on Loomer before we get scores? 
No, I love her voice. I love and the lyrics, which I say there's not a ton of lyrics in this, but they're they're super interesting. But I there were times during this song where it just felt like there was so much going on. Like there's the distorted guitar and then there's that droning thing that comes in. And so there are, there's at points where there's just like, you don't know, you don't know where to listen because it's just so much, so much going on at, at points. It's like, um, it's like a hallucinogenic drug. You have to, yes. you have to <laughs> accept it and go with it. Otherwise you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> lean into it. Lean into it. Okay. Mm. Um, all right. Wayne, what's your score? Uh, three. And I'm matching your three. And Chris? Oh, God, ten. You can tell who the production people are. It's not It's not me or Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next song or next track is called Touch. So I'm going to throw this to Chris. Chris? Um, should I even put a sound clip of touched in the podcast? You should, I mean, if you want, I mean, I wouldn't, I'd, I, I, it's, it's a tricky one because I don't necessarily think that it needs to be on the album. I, I was just going to say that I, I know that, that it was very popular in the nineties to put these little palate cleanser, small clips, you know, between songs, but. I could have I could have easily seen Loomer going to to hear knows when without having this little fifty sec fifty seven second track of yeah it's I mean it's it's just feedback and noise to me yeah I don't think it's very I don't know if it's I, I, actually also interestingly it's the it's like the drummer's track as well it's not oh. really a Kevin Shields one so you know. Um, Were they throwing him a bone? I don't know, maybe, yeah. Maybe. But I mean, it's funny that you say that because there's like, there's like much more interest in palate cleansers at like the end of songs, like the end of Only Shallow and stuff like that. Yeah. There's like little, there's like little in, more interest and in interludes that just kind of bleed into the next track. Whereas I think this one's just, I don't know, it yes. seems a bit, totally maybe agree. slightly too much, too much weed <laughs> at that point, you know. Yeah, this is my this is my lowest track, um, Wayne. This was my second lowest track, and I, I because I don't well I don't have a justification, but there is this weird interlude, uh, almost like back way back when, uh, in between, like when they on on TV shows, like if they didn't really have anything, they go to this this weird you know kind of melodic little noise thing that this actually reminded me of. So as this kind of weird placeholder moving you to the next song, I didn't, I, I could, I could see it being taken out, but really the next track was the one that I didn't connect to. So this was my deuce. Okay. And then Chris, yes. what was your score? I, I give this one a one. Yeah. All right. So that leads us to, to hear knows when.
Chris, why don't you get us started on, on why this was one of your higher tracks? Again, it's just like I said with with Loomer. There's that kind of uh, sort of continuum or spectrum of where the one end of the the kind of rock band, and then the other end they're kind of touching on something that's to me is really unique and transformative, and that really does quite strongly, you know, push you to to somewhere else that you've not been before, and that was one of them. I mean, I really think. Uh, there's maybe other tracks in the album that this applies to more, but the thing I love about My Bloody Valentine and a lot of other bands that I'm, you know, I would consider big influences yeah. is that they, tr- they, they tread this kind of fine line between it's, it's really quite sonically or aesthetically quite experimental, but at its core, like if you kind of take away some of the layers or if you listen closely, it's still pop music. In its is structure there, and in its melody, kind of thing. If that is makes there sense. some percussion? Yeah, it does. Um, is there some percussion in this in this particular song, or is this uh, more layers of guitar and and whatnot? I think there's maybe. Uh, when I think about this song, I just think about the vocals yeah. and the kind of. So I feel that there's maybe some kind of really quiet drum machine type thing, but I could be wrong. I'd have to listen to it again. But because it's just the vocals and the kind of it sounds almost it sounds really um, Celtic this track to me. Oh, you know, yeah. it sounds like that. yeah. I mean, it sounds like well to me again. I mean, again, that's maybe one of the reasons why I sort of connect to this band so strongly is that it's, it's just, this is going to sound nuts, but to me, it sounds like the weather. In Scotland, like they're one of those bands that, like, <laughs> you can drive about in Scotland about this time of year. It's like the the landscape is coming to life, but there's still these big, huge, moody, sort of thunderheady type clouds, like kind of billowing in over the sort of really lush green hills. And you know, one minute in in Scotland, does we have the same where it's like, oh, it's like five seasons in a day. Not at the yeah. moment. There's been like two weeks of like uninterrupted sunshine, which <laughs> couldn't have happened at a better time when everyone's stuck at home. But um, generally, the weather's bipolar or schizophrenic. It's, it's really insane. Like it's really insane. So to me, I don't know. It's like it's really, really moody but picturesque. And I think a lot of their music just kind of. I don't know. There's like a it 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 really it really resonates with me in and in in more yeah. than just a sort of, I'm a fan of this band. It kind of feels like, no, I love, I love that. I mean, there's definitely some nostalgia to it now as well, but um, yeah, it's just, it, it like, if you, if you're ever in the UK honest and, and you're in the countryside or you're in Scotland or Wales or maybe the Southwest of England or Ireland, stick it on and okay. just drive about and it will, it will, it will make sense. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. one of these days I'm going to get out there to go to St. Andrews, the birthplace of golf. That's like, uh. that's one of my, my bucket list areas. Um, it's a nice place. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, yeah. I'll put on my bloody Valentine when I'm out there. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you brought up the, 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 the vocals and I wanted to bring up the lyrics on this because i i thought the, the lyrics were really poetic however i'm not really i still don't know what 
they mean. But neither neither did I. Okay. I have no idea. All right. I was just gonna see <laughs> yeah. if anybody had any anything to say on these lyrics or any of the upcoming lyrics because a lot of it is just it sounds poetic, but I don't know what any of it means. I think the maybe that's the beauty of it. Just go the, go with the minimalist kind of, thing. Yeah, well you kind of there's not really you have to kind of add your own meaning to it. You know, the way like your your brain interprets you know that way like you kind of you're not quite seeing something fully, so you have your brain kind of fills in the blanks for you. Sure. I they're, but they're honestly one of these bands where it's like like I I don't know any of the this is for, this is meant I nearly you know got more than PG thirteen there, but this is mental. <laughs> I don't know any of the lyrics to this album. I don't know them. Yeah. Like, and I don't try and know them. It's just, to me, it's the melody that gets me. And I think I'm kind of bad that way with songs. It's like, even, you know, like if you talk about some of the other songs on the, I mean, the, on the, the albums that we could have spoke about, I'm not, even though I write the lyrics for the Catholic action stuff, I'm not a big lyrics guy. I'm a, like more of a melody guy. Okay. Unless it's like September Girls or something. Do you know what I mean? You're going to know all the words to that. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Or the Paul Simon tracks. Everyone knows the words to those. So, yeah. but with this, it's kind of, it's, it's more of a melody thing. And I think part of the beauty of it is that your brain does fill in the blanks. So you can kind of, it's like horoscopes. You can kind of make, you can make any, any of it, any of it apply to you kind of thing. <laughs> there you go. I love that. All right, Chris, what was your score on this? To Hear Knows When was a nine, and I've written in brackets um, a bonus for the little transition bit at the end. Okay. I think it's a good transition. Yeah. Unlike Touched. No. <laughs> yeah, unlike Touched, yeah. Uh, Wayne, what's your score? Um, this was my least favorite, and I a lot of it is because, once again, like there gets to be too much going on, it feels like, but at the and it's part of it. It's almost, and I don't. I could have swear I read somewhere where the it, it, the guitar is being played backwards or something to that effect. But there's this backwards sounding kind of feel to it. And then mm. I ultimately I kind of got frustrated in this one too because behind it you can hear these this really good this really cool keyboard melody and 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 a drum track. But they're so far back, I you can't really make them out. It's it everything feels like it almost gets washed out in this for me yeah all right yeah it goes on too long like that was part of it like i think if there was a spot somewhere in the middle where i felt like that transition could have started yeah it's five and a half minutes long it's definitely not an album for everyone that's that's for sure it's kind of i think if you're into it it's kind of a do you have marmite in america no Uh, it's like a uh -uh. (laughs) <laughs> it's a it's a yeast based spread. Um, it's also known as Vegemite, I think, in Australia. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. We we say we have a saying where it's like, oh, it's like a marmite thing. You either love it or you hate it. I don't know many people that that are into this album casually. You know, I know <laughs> right. people that are really into it or despise it. Basically, there you go. All right, I haven't given my score yet. This is my two. And that leads us to When You Sleep. Uh, 
go from least favorite to <laughs> yeah transitions into my favorite song i i love this song the guitar in this is so infectious um it like it made me want to air guitar i can't mm. uh, I, and it is more conventional i think that this one which i feel to your point i i think i like this because it sounded a lot more conventional it has kind of more of a song more structure like you would you would expect but and like i say there are the the lyrics and the vocals um were were more prominent up in the mix and they even rhymed a couple times (laughs) and it's a little more upbeat song too so you've had a couple downer songs does does the the difference between kevin's vocals and then belinda vocals do i guess i should have looked at your scores total but um, do you prefer one over the other? Um, not, I guess, and I didn't consciously feel that way. I mean, I did love her voice. Um, I just love the way it sounds, but I wouldn't, yeah, I think to me it was much more of the, of sonically, like having only listened to this whole album, you know, recently for the first time all the way through, um, he's right. I mean, some of it takes, it took uh, took me a little bit to get, like, to kind of to kind of understand what it was doing and accept that it was going to be a little bit different. And I and I overall listening to it, you know, five or six times over a, over a week, I did really come to enjoy it. There, as much as I the the last track was wasn't my favorite, I never skipped it. It just got so much going on and it kind of washed yeah. itself out, but. Uh, it was one of those things where this one is more, this had more a more conventional structure, but I definitely started to get into, you know, and I like the way, you know, the vocal tracks would be not like I say, not buried necessarily in a lot of cases, but almost like even with the, with the, with the guitar tracks, it, it sounded different. And that is, that is cool to come across something like that. Yeah. You guys realize that this was a single. This was the first single off the record. Mm. Oh, that doesn't shock yeah. that doesn't surprise me. I couldn't find any chart information, which probably means it didn't chart at all, but um, that, it was a single. Hmm. Chris, you got anything on this before we grab some scores? Yeah, I mean, I think this one didn't score too highly for me, but I, I found it very, very hard to score it because I basically like all of the album bar touched and i think maybe a couple of the tracks are similar to the kind of singly tracks but are just not as good um but no this one's great again it's like it's one of those ones it's 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 um it's funny in that i have no idea what they're saying but the melody has just burned itself into my head yeah i mean it, it does it does help that they repeat it for like a minute at the end of the song Right. Uh, no, I mean, it's, 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 it was very hard for me to rank them. So that this one and a couple of other ones 
kind of set on set somewhere similar to me. But no, I mean, again, it's like it's. I think this is a good. It's a good strong track. It's it's more. It's you know. It's it's straight up. But it's good, you know. And again, it's like it it balances that thing where it is a more traditional song structure. It's a melody that you know could sit on a record that was much much more poppy than it is, but it still has this really interesting and immersive kind of aesthetic that that kind of came out totally of a left field, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, maybe I could imagine. I could imagine Dinosaur Junior doing a version of this and it being not a million miles away. Yeah, I could I could see that. All right. This is my six. Chris? Three. And Wayne? Uh, this is my favorite song. It's 11. Next song is I Only Said... Fade out and the bombastic opening of the new of the next song, which we'll talk mm. about. Um, and again, we've already talked about how my biggest criticism on the record is how far back the vocals are in the are in the mix. Um, and I know that that's the sound that they're going for, but I felt like the vocals are really far back on this particular song. Um. Mm. Anyways, what is that alarm-like riff throughout the song? Is that a guitar or is that a keyboard making that riff? You guys know what I'm talking I th- about? I think it's probably... I'd uh, have to listen to it again, but from the top of my head, it sounds like a keyboard. Yeah, I think... Because I, I thought that was cool. I mean, the guitar in this one is another... I really love the guitar in this one. And that yeah. keyboard loop, I thought... I, I really enjoyed that too. This is this song is where I heard his Cure influence. Um, there was something about this song that that I could hear. I, I could hear it, the Cure's influence on this one. Yeah. Apparently, Robert Smith said uh, when he when he first heard the band, he, he he said that this is the first band he's heard that are better than the Cure. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Upon upon either hearing, I don't know if it was this album or the previous one, but it was when he first heard them. That's what he said. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's high praise. But yeah, no, it's totally like you could. Yeah, this one you could imagine if you strip back all the my buddy Valentine aesthetics, you could imagine Robert Smith singing it. I think. Yeah. All right. Let's get some scores. Wayne. A uh, six. Chris. Five. And this is my five. Oh no! Sorry, six. This yeah. is my six. Yeah, 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 yeah. six. Um, I should have said six on this. We could have gone six, six, six on this. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Iron Maiden joke. Uh, Come in alone is the next song. Yeah. 
Anyone get a Smashing Pumpkins vibe on this song? Um, and I don't know if it, this is where I wrote it, but I definitely wrote it in one of my notes. Is and I could have swore I, I read somewhere that that the they were a huge influence on Billy Corgan. I can uh, see that, and I can't. Yeah. I know I read that somewhere. Um, and yeah, yeah, there were there were several songs where you can hear, especially uh, their the influence they had on Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I think I'm not sure which record, but the engineer and the mixer for Loveless Alan Molder, I'm pretty sure he went on to work with the Smashing Pumpkins like a few years after, and I'm pretty sure it was probably just because, you know, they wanted to try and chase that kind of sound or chase part of it anyway. Or or he was available because Kevin was having a mental breakdown. Yeah, also that apparently um <laughs> I was reading, I read the, um, the you know, the 33 and a third, you know, the, the books. The kind oh, yeah. Of, the, like, yeah little I read the uh, Loveless book again, in the, in, like, la- like this week, in the lead up to this, to kind of refresh my memory. And apparently, um, him and Belinda lived together and um, they owned, like, they had a, because after, immediately after Loveless, they kind of signed to Island Records and I presume, presumably got some money out of that, built a home studio, but the, like, mix and desk didn't work and, you know, that really put a dent in what would have been the follow-up to Loveless. Uh, but also, apparently, he, um, they owned, Belinda says 20, Kevin says 14 chinchillas. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> Alan McGee said that he used to um, keep them like walled in with sandbags or something in the home studio, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, that right there would cause a mental breakdown for me. It would smell. Oh, awful! (laughs) It would really just awful. (laughs) All right, uh, this is my four, Wayne. Uh, a five. And then Chris. Coming alone is a two for me. Two. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, next song is Sometimes. This was the one where I actually liked some of the lyrics. I um, I had to, I had definitely had to to Google the lyrics. So 
take it for what it's worth. It may or may not be correct because I did get it from the interwebs. Um, but the the verse of overhead when I hold you next to me, overhead to know the way I see. And I really dig I really dig that. Um mm. Belinda's vocals pretty quick in and out, and then there's that subtle keyboard riff. It's kind of a slow mm. burn. Um yeah. it's like over two minutes into the song when that finally kicks in, but when it does, it's just it's sonically it's just it's great. Yeah, I think I think this track is sublime. Yes. And I think yeah, I think it's really Oh, without a doubt, it's my favorite on the album. I would, I would probably put it as one of my favorite songs ever. And I think it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just like stuck with me, and it resonates with me in a very, very, very strong way. And I have no idea what they're saying, but it can bring me to tears. It's just the, just from the the mood. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it also it just sounds beautiful as well. But it's again, it's like it's one of those like I would say that it's a love song. It's either it sounds like either fallen in love or fallen out of love. It's really is that kind of total swell of like it's not really rational. It's like slightly uncontrollable, but it just kind of surges through you. It kind of it kind of sounds like that to me. Yeah. Um, I would put it like. I would if I had to make like a a top love song playlist ever, I would put that up there with like thirteen from Big Star. Okay, as like one of the top love songs ever. But I mean, it could be it could be a total heartbreak song as well. So yeah. kind of treads this fine line. Yeah, thirteen is so good. Wayne, anything on on this? Song? Uh, hypnotic. This is the one where I wrote my notes about you can uh, you can hear their influence on Smashing Pumpkins. And the the dis, that dissonant guitar reminded me of uh, Ziggy Stardust. So, but this is definitely I got it's so atmospheric and hypnotic. I I my my notes say definitely lying on your back, staring at the ceiling, thinking of the girl that you know that doesn't love you like you love her. And this one I think got a little mm-hmm. long too, but I didn't even notice. This one just like I say was hypnotizing. I'll bring that. I I'll bring like, that up in a moment. But yeah, part of the beauty of the of the of of the band in general, and, and certainly on this album, is that people often equate My Bloody Valentine with noise and volume and power. But it's actually, um, I think it's actually quite a quiet record, and it's like, especially it's like the combination of like insanely loud like jet engine guitars and an acoustic guitar on this track that that. Really, like make it so poignant and emotional. It's like the, you've got this huge distorted thing, like waterfalling over the over the song, but just underneath it, you've got the mm-hmm. the texture of the acoustic guitar, and it's almost like I don't know. It's almost like you what you wanted to to write a sort of pop love song, but you can't quite, you know, you can't quite get it across to someone, so you have to kind of hide it with this the sort of noise of the emotion of the track kind of thing yeah if that makes any sort of sense yeah. but that's sort of how it feels to me you know i only feel like there's one song that i would i would construe as noise and that would be you know touched which we which mm. we t- 
talked about. That's just yeah, just wasn't necessary. Um, did I get scores? No. Did I get scores on this? Mm-mm. Chris, what was your score? Eleven. This is it. Top score. Wayne. A nine. And this is my nine as well. Uh, spoiler alert! This is our top song. Nice. I, I I was I was curious. I was curious to see if we'd be in agreement over that because yeah. I wasn't sure if you guys were sort of fans of the record in the first place, and I just wasn't sure if I'd maybe attached myself to that song for like nostalgic reasons <laughs> or just because it resonates with me so much. But yeah, that's that's good. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Next song is "Blown a Wish." get us started blown a wish the drums are much more prominent um and some great tambourine uh and and then like i say the and the keyboards uh had a very once again very cure like uh real lush like i say the belinda butcher song sounds so different uh and even the lyrics have the lyrics in this have almost a, a positive you know, feel like there's a lot of loneliness and alienation in a lot of them. And this one, this one even had a kind of an upbeat feel. It starts out like a Cocteau's mm. twin, Cocteau twins song. Yeah. It, 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 de- yeah. it devolves away from that um, towards the end of the song, but I felt like it started. And I, I think that Belinda's vocals in in this particular song and and a couple others, but but particularly in this song, are, are really lush. It's definitely a re- a relief. This song is like much lighter than the rest of it. Yes, um, I think this. I think this is this is a good song. Again, it's kind of for me. It's one of the sort of medley. Like it, it, again, it was really hard for me to rank in in a sort of order because there's a lot of songs that I enjoy just as much as the other ones. But again, like I think it's it's funny. It's it's interesting that a lot of people get the kind of loneliness vibe or alienation vibe from this album i i i see it as like it's like being under the covers with someone that you love it's like it's so it's to me the kind of like we said about sometimes the the combination of the like sort of extreme loud element with these soft vocals and and soft guitars sort of conspire to make this a very very intimate record to my ears anyway to me, it sounds like you got that kind of chemical rush of like, you know, being in love with someone or being attracted to someone. And, and it's just, I don't know, it's like the sort of, it's like, it sounds like, I don't know, it just sounds like when you've, you know, you, you, you're just falling in love with someone and you're so close to them. And it's those kind of quiet moments that you spend together that you don't need to say anything. You're just together. That's what that, this album, or that's part of what this album sounds like to me yeah it's not like it's it. not a sad record to me it's not a lonely record to me it's a, it's like a it's a really warm 
I, this is this is insane, and, and and a lot of people totally get the opposite thing for for uh, from this record. But I, I get that kind of I don't know. It's like no, I, it's like a I get that vibe like being on, in a warm uh, bath. Yeah, I get <laughs> I get that vibe on this song and and the next song that we're going to talk about um, as mm. well. I get that warm vibe. Um, yeah. So let's get some scores, and we'll talk about the next song. Um, so for blown a wish, Wayne, four. And Chris? This is also a four. Okay. This is my seven. And that leads us to what you want. going to throw this out there it's my favorite song on the record i dig it um maybe because it's more driving and rocking um and this is the one that i i probably like this more because the vocals are definitely more in the forefront than some of the other songs especially when they go into the when you come down the blue i think that's just really great Mm. um yeah, I mean, I thought that I was going to maybe knock it down a little bit because of the long outro, but the more the more I listened to the 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 song, um, that long outro really grew on me, and I just came to like dig the whole thing. It goes goes back mm. to what you were saying, Chris, of this warm vibe. I got a warm vibe on this song, which I yeah I really dug. So there you go throwing the gauntlet down my favorite song yeah this was my second favorite and i mean it was a struggle the choice was actually probably made by that one one plus minute uh musical outro okay Uh, but i i like and i like this got a great guitar melody in it um and i like his he kind of has a different delivery in his vocals and sounds almost excited but yet the words to it uh I just, some of the, the, what's, there's a line about, uh, don't you know that I can smile? Then I go back to you and then you make them go inside. Like you're, you're what makes, you know, you're what keeps that guy from smiling. It was a pretty, it was, the lyrics pretty intense. Yeah. What do you got on this, Chris? Yeah. Again, I think it's, it's, it's just one of the sort of stronger tracks for me. I think this one and uh, I think when you sleep are very similar to me. Yeah that kind of yeah they're, they're, it's more it's more straightforward but it's it's great I, I think it's a good I don't like again it's like it's hard for me to like to, to kind of rank them all in an order because there's a lot of them other than the like really standout ones to me you know like let's say Loomer to hear knows when sometimes right yeah soon stuff like the other tracks apart from Touched are all I love all of them basically 
And but this is just maybe one of the slightly stronger ones of those. You know, so a lot of the tracks that could could be kind of interchangeable for me rank wise, apart you know, apart from the really, really standard ones. Yeah. Um and I I'm a big fan of the I'm a big fan of the outro. But again, I think it's it's really interesting this sort of thing because it's you find out that people you know, people listen to you listen to something for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think this is an album that you don't necessarily listen to it for the same reason that you would listen to again. Keep them back to them. You wouldn't listen to you know like number one record by Big Star. Right. It's just not. It's just on a different. It's on a totally different plane, kind of thing. Um. So for me to kind of rank like. You know to rank it the way I would rank that record is very, is very very different in the way I kind of approach my sort of analysis of the tracks is different too because they're not quite you know they're not quite you know two and a half minutes straight up pop songs you know so it's sort of it's sort of you need a kind of different different approach to to analyzing and, and ranking this album and i didn't actually think of that until now <laughs> uh but no, it's quite interesting it's quite interesting. It's yeah. interesting so chris what was your score on this seven and then wayne a 10. All right. Um, so let's wrap this up. This is the last song. This is soon. definitely has a very 90s vibe is that what's the sound that i'm looking for is this can would this be considered like the manchester sound of the 90s is yeah it's kind of getting onto that sort of baggy yeah baggy sound to call it yeah happy, um, happy mondays feel a little bit yeah almost yeah can i come i think they were they were pretty i know kevin shields and Colin mccoysig were were quite into sort of rave culture and certainly they were into ecstasy and all that for sure. Um, and if you, if you listen to, you should, you should listen to the follow up to, to loveless that took 22 years to make. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a very, very good album. I don't, I don't like, I mean, who am I to say, but I don't know how it took 22 years, you know? Yeah. I'm just glad it's out. But if you listen to that record, there's a lot more of, you can tell the tracks because I think they basically started working on it after it and you can tell the tracks that they started working on in the mid nineties right. compared to the tracks that are maybe a bit more recent, but yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I think this is, I think this is a great track. Wayne, did, a great track. did, did you bring up the fact on one of the other records where you're like, I didn't realize that this song was super long. Yeah, this is I actually wrote this in my notes that it's, it's over six minutes, but it's, you don't notice it. Like there's yeah. this one, the bass stood out a lot, and I love there's a there's a back and forth between the heavy guitar and the clean guitar. Uh, 
and the lyrics are just, the lyrics are wonderfully creepy. I think there's a line in that that says "Wake up, don't fear." Just has a real kidnap feel to the whole thing. Mm. I love the like, I love the kind of Celtic sample. You know the sort of stri- like the like uh, the kind of string sounds. Like it sounds so like sort of Scots or Irish traditional music with this like baggy beat underneath it which i kind of love it's quite funny talking about this as well you we're talking about a lot of i don't know like scotland or certainly ireland and, and scotland or northern britain in general when you think about it it's, it's had such a huge thing on you know shoegaze because like cocktail twins are from grangemouth which is in scotland jesus and mary chain are from glasgow alan mcgee creation records from glasgow babadi valentine obviously dublin you know and then obviously riding slow dive and stuff there from England but it's just I don't know it's kind of again it's like I think maybe that's another reason why the record resonates so much I mean this song it's really obvious because they've got that like traditional kind of string sample underneath the beat yeah. if you if you ever if you ever go to Scotland like li- like listen to <laughs> like listen to Mavory Valentine or listen to like Mogwai okay. something okay. Uh, it just it makes sense yeah. It totally makes sense. Yeah. I have a particular. We're talking about to hear knows when, and know maybe that wasn't your favorite track on the record, but I have this really strong memory of driving, driving through the Highlands. I was driving to Inverness. It's like a three-hour drive from Glasgow, and it was snowing the night before, so it was just. But it was a perfectly crisp, clear blue sky, and all the hills and mountains were just like frozen. And if you can imagine that song playing in your car you're driving in like the middle of nowhere and just just amongst all these like frozen hills and mountains so it's like perfectly crystal clear sky yeah <laughs> so maybe you know um that that like if you're ever here just just put this album on and you'll be like ah oh, like, all right okay or put i mean the, the jesus mary chain sound like glasgow man they sound like a band that come from a industrial city where it just rains all the time <laughs> yeah but no it's a uh, interesting cool all right this is my eight wayne also an eight and then chris what eight as well this is my also my eight yeah we're all coming up eights all right um so this is where i would say did we cover it did we miss anything i think we got it right i think so i mean chris i think could probably go on for another couple hours talking about about this record but i could could get could get into real nerdy details but um (laughs) no one would care there you go yeah all right so i already threw out that sometimes is our top score but um not too far behind it was what you want um so sometimes got an average score of 9.66 and what you want got an average score of 9.33 so soon is our third top top song at a at an eight, and then we've got only shallow as our fourth, and when you sleep is our fifth top song. So that's a pretty solid top five, I think, for this record. Yeah, yeah. So nice, Chris. This has been fun. Yeah, this was great. Yeah, it has. It's very very um very unusual to to analyze a record like that, but it's. Especially a record that 
upon analyzing it, I realized that I don't know any of the words to any of the songs. <laughs> but it's such an important, it's such an important, like an influential record. It's strange. It's really strange. Right. So to remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of Chris and Catholic Action. I suppose on Spotify and I suppose on Instagram. I'm not very big on social media, much to the sort of okay. disdain of a record label and our managers. But um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose you can find us on Instagram. And the thing that really matters is the records. So, I mean, look out on Spotify there you or go. in a record shop. There you are. All right. So last question. Um, lift this question from a fellow podcaster here in Orlando who does the Scotch and Good Conversation podcast. He asks, uh, who do you know that I don't know who should join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? You should ask, you should ask, you should get Chris Cohen on this podcast. I would be really, really interested to hear what his favorite records are. Just from, I got to listen to him first. Yeah. Very good. (laughs) Very like, honestly like criminally underrated okay like criminally underrated he's he's you know he produced a few good records for like i think he produced the second last wise blood record okay which is cool um but no honestly like really like someone that should have far more recognition than they do have for for his solo work definitely okay well we'll we'll chat all right, so let's let's do the outro part here. So as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited podcast. You can find all of our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Wayne's on the Instagram. Go find us, Records Revisited podcast there. I'm on the Twitter, at Podcast Records. And of course, you can find all of our episodes on all the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you right now to go to a live show, but um, check out the socials for your favorite favorite musicians. Go and check out one of their live sessions on the YouTubes, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, etc. And buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store online, of course. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Out. Out. Out.